Hello and welcome. I'm Jillian Raymond, the co-creator of Juicy Bits and a Coalition Snow ambassador. And I'm Jen Garecki, your co-host and the CEO of Coalition Snow. For those of you who are new, get ready to laugh, cry, and maybe pee your pants a little. Juicy Bits is about taking the conversations that we start on the chairlift and at the trailhead and bringing them to you to explore alternative narratives that challenge the status quo about what it means to be a modern woman in the outdoors. Grab your helmet because sometimes it's a bumpy ride. FYI, friends, this podcast is for mature audiences, so you've been warned. Let's get to work and juice the patriarchy. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Juicy Bits. You are listening to this in the future. Well, for you right now, it's actually the present, but us recording it is the future. And what is really important to know is that we are recording in the middle of Mercury in retrograde, which has been an absolute disaster, if you ask me, like one of the most difficult Mercury in retrogrades I've ever had to endure. But today, today is the Kazemi. And how perfect is it that we have a special guest joining us today on the Kazemi, which means this recording might actually work out and we might have a lovely conversation. Also, no one knows anymore. We could completely crash and burn. You have to listen all the way to the end to find out what's really going to happen. Uh, but that you're in the future to us. And we're excited that today in the present is the Kazemi, which means nothing to you in the future, but means a lot right now. So anywho, I'm just really excited about our special guest today. We don't always have special guests. Sometimes, you know, most of the time, as you all know, it's just Jillian and myself and while we are hilarious and love listening to ourselves talk, we understand that you also like to hear from other people. So our first guest for season seven is Sarah Histand from Ski Babes, who is someone that we've worked with so much um, at Coalition Snow, and that's why she's here today. Um, it's just lovely to be able to have people join us who we've been building you know, relationships over multiple years and then also you know, just other women in the industry who are doing really good work. So Sarah, welcome to Juicy Bits. Yay. Thanks for having me. I'm so glad we have the Kazemi magic um, backing us today. Oh, it's it's like the only thing that's going to save our ass because this is, I shouldn't even be talking to anyone at all during the entire Mercury in retrograde. I should be locked in my home and no one, I'm not allowed to talk to anyone. Yeah. Or use technology. Let's, we should just go off into the mountains for the three mm-hmm. weeks. Or just forever, or just forever. Oh, um, that's pretty good. Sarah, okay, I know what you do, and I know all about Ski Babes because we've been working together for a long time, but for any of our listeners who are not familiar with you or Ski Babes, can you give us a little background? Sure, yeah. Yeah, well, nice to, it's so nice to be here. I am, I am in Alaska, on, in Anchorage, Alaska, on Denina land, and I am a mental health-informed adventure fitness trainer. So that means I'm a therapist and a trainer and I like to be outside and I like smushed those things together into my uh, Ski Babes program, which is the winter training 
option that we have that helps people who, you know, have busy lives and lots going on and also want to get outside do the cross training that helps that go well so that we have like less injuries and hopefully more fun and we can keep up with our friends and uh, yeah, get out there without crashing and burning quite as much. Yeah. Does Ski Babes require you to run? It does not. I <laughs> thank God. I'm That's why we're a big fan. That's why <laughs> everyone knows I only run when things are chasing me. So that is oh, another reason God. why we're a big fan is Ski Babes does not require you to run. Yes. It doesn't. You know, I've had such a journey with running. I have not ran in a long time, but I just started a couple of weeks ago oh. trying to get back into it. And good Lord, it's mm-hmm. really hard. There's no uh, so Ski Babes is, um, it's, interval training it's body weight Mm. interval training that you do from your living room and it like replicates the movements that we do outside in winter so you're like kind of thinking about okay how do I how would I apply this to the mountains while you're moving yeah yeah and we will for all the listeners we will include a link to ski babes in the show notes so you can definitely um, go in and check that out but one of the you know beyond you're not requiring anyone to run. Um, another thing that I, uh, am just a big fan of about ski babes is that you are dedicated to creating women centered spaces. And, uh, whenever, whenever I say something like that out, out loud or any sort of like, you know, affinity group, there's always going to be some man who's like, not me. Why can't I be there? We're not all like, there's like just this noise, um, from people, And I think you find it in all affinity groups, like you'll find white women complaining about affinity spaces for black, black women. And, and, um, you know, people, people tend to not like being left out because they are not capable of seeing how their exclusion is actually beneficial for others. And that, and that, that benefit, um, just creates a more just and equitable world. Like we shouldn't all be allowed to do everything. Um, so I know at Coalition with the trips that we run, our far out trips, um, a lot of a lot of what we're doing, um, we definitely exclude people to ensure that the people who we are including um, have the most positive and sort of the most impactful experience. But I was hoping if you could talk a little bit about that in terms of your um, vision around women-centered spaces and the um, like, the thought that you've put into developing that for ski babes. Mm, yeah, man, it's such a good question. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, yeah, we have created what we call a women-centered space, which in our we're not excluding people, men or people of other genders in our programs. We just rec- we just ask that it if other people are participating, that they take up less space. Mm-hmm. And and it, it is majority women. And because of that gives us the opportunity to talk about how different it is to be a woman in the backcountry and the pressures that are there and the things that we have been conditioned out of us that we actually need to learn how to bring back around, like healthy mm-hmm. aggression and how to take up space and trust our own judgment instead of deferring to other people's there's there's like so many dynamics that are part of our identities that play out in the way that we experience our bodies and our self when we're moving just like even in a workout but then especially when you're like taking your body and putting it out in like a 
risky situation where you have to manage weather and conditions and risk and social dynamics. So it's been it's been feeling really, really good to have a place where uh, we can like center the the woman and non-binary experience of um, of being outside. We have such good conversations about we have a lot of mothers in there and being a mother is different than being a father and um, mm-hmm. you know just lots of but yeah, you like you said, and then there are um, we also host smaller affinity groups inside of ski babes too for the people who are in the program and also have other identities that they might want to find commonality with. So we have um, like a, a person of color affinity group inside a parent group, um, a group for people who are experiencing chronic illness or other invisible illnesses uh, for aging athletes. Um, trying to think, I'm sure there's some other ones I'm missing, but uh, so there's, these uh, little micro spaces for people to find uh, build relationships and build community with others who experience this like configuration of identities that impacts their outdoor experience. Yeah. One of the things I've noticed, so with, with the far out trips that we run our Japan trip and our trip to Mount bachelor, which we call bachelorette. um, Those are explicitly open to women, non-binary and trans People, whereas the trips that I run in Kenya, the cycling trips, it actually explicitly states that they're open to all human beings, but that we center the experiences of women, non-binary and trans participants. Funny thing, well, not funny. Also, no one is surprised. I have never had a cis man register for any of our trips, even though they have never been actively excluded from um, half of what, what we offer. And I think that's just comes with a decade of showing up in the world, the way that I do and the way that coalition has, but I'm, I'm curious, do you have men who register for your, for your, um, training? And is that like, do you actively have to work at creating a women centered space or is it natural because that's who's there? We have a few men that sign up every season. It's a, I, I don't know the stats. It's probably like maybe less than 5% of the total cohort. And I haven't had to work too hard at like policing their activity mm-hmm. in general, because we have the, the like workouts that are pre-recorded and you log in and you just kind of go to do those. And then we have the community space where mm-hmm. you can get together and share what you your experience and get to know people a little bit better and some live events too. And in general, the, the cis men that show up for just like go do the workouts and don't like, don't engage on the rest of it. So maybe they self police on that. I'm so curious. No, it, my read on that is it could either be that they're like scared to engage in a women centered place. And that feels so different and uncertain and they don't want to do anything wrong. And so they just like give out, like stay out. It's Mm -hmm. the safest way. Or I also think there are probably some people in that demographic who are just like, oh, this is for women. I I should just like. I'm with the, like I'm on the program. I got the memo. Like I'm excited to be here. I'm going to get, I'm going to do this training to get ready for ski season. And because I've been asked to not take up space, I'm not going to. And also by by registering for Ski Babes, I'm supporting a women-owned bu- business that mm-hmm. centers women. Like that is, what a wonderful way for men to be allies, isn't it? Ooh, yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. And then I hear some fun stories. Like it's often through people's partners, like the, um, like a, a woman will sign up at, who's in a heterosexual uh, relationship and her partner will step in and do a workout with her once in a while. And, and usually they get their butts kicked and then they're like, whoa, <laughs> like one of them, one is a, one story is a, a friend um, who, who went through that and, and her partner uh, was a smoker and he did a couple workouts with her and he was like, I got to stop smoking. <laughs> so I got to, I'm going to do this. Um, so that it's, it's so, I always love, I like take a little bit of joy in like humbling a, someone who's in that role who like thought that they wouldn't sign up for this like woman centered program. And then they like come in and get their butt kicked a little bit. And so that feels, that feels good to me. Yeah. It's, that's the petty side of us. Like we can feel good about those things. I'm, I'm a big fan of uh, petty in certain circumstances. Uh, another thing that you do that I'm a big fan of is that you um, you talk about financial accessibility as a tool for creating an ethical business. You have a whole blog on your website about it, um, and you talk about a number of, of different things, and including differentiating between equity and equality. Um, but there's specific things that you do in Ski Babes around this. And I was hoping you could speak a little bit to that. Yeah, we have put a lot of thought into this. It is a tricky thing to do as a small business Mm -hmm. and um, also as a women-owned business, because I also want to pay myself and my team equitably and well for all of our work. So I think there is often, often it's easy to come in with like a big heart and be like, I want to give everything away. But uh, to do this, and like, way- no one gets paid in my business. Cuts down. There you go. So I know, and we're broke, and we burn out, and then we can't yep. keep giving the services that we want to yep. give. So, yeah. So what we have our our main program for for financial um, equity is we call it sistering support, and I pulled that name from a construction term, which is um, like when a when a beam that's like holding up a roof is overloaded with weight they they sister it by putting other beams on either side of it they like squish it up between its sisters I just it's such a good metaphor for like when the idea is like when you're tired and you're holding up too much weight you get your sisters beside you and we help you hold up what you're holding up so um yeah our so we you can apply for sistering support we made the application as low uh maintenance like easy to apply as possible and we fund that through donations and through some fundraising efforts. So I think the difference between just like, we're not just giving the um, scholarships away out of out of our profit margin, which isn't at this point big enough to accommodate that, but we're, we're funding this program. It's kind of like a mutual aid program, essentially. Mm-hmm. When people have extra as they're signing up, they can contribute to these efforts and when we have surplus out of some of the live workouts we do, we take donations or um, we have like, you can buy s- Ski Babes tank tops from us and we put the proceeds for that into the sustering support fund. So we're, we're like filling the fund with our sort of side efforts instead mm-hmm. of just like giving it all away. So yeah. that way it's mutually beneficial. It's working, it's working really well. And we prioritize those funds for people who are underrepresented in the industry. So people of color, uh, people with chronic illness or bigger bodies, um, people who are aging and also have financial need. Mm -hmm. 
What do you consider aging as the older woman in the room? What do you consider aging? What, what a year? I think people get to define that for themselves. I haven't, I don't have a threshold on that. Yeah. I do think something, you know, something changes in our bodies at menopause. So I think there's, there's a kind of a point in our like physical bodies changing at that point. But I I think we get to like define that on our own terms. Yeah. Well, because it is, I just turned 46 and I just feel like I'm like 23 years old still. I'm completely out of control um, most days. And, but I, it's funny to, um, you know, think about how younger people perceive me and then, you know, being in spaces because in the outdoor industry, there's so many young women, like women in their 20s. Um, and then to to like visibly be older than them, but then also speak differently and perceive the world in a different way. And um, it's not lost on me that I am, yeah, like I'm almost 50 and how different that is. Uh, and I'm just always curious what like, I'm just more and more curious about what younger people think of what is aging and what like what defines old and what, you know, what is old and what isn't. and and it's just, you know, as I gaze at my, you know, wrinkles on my neck, these are the things I think about. It is interesting, isn't it? I'm 41 and I definitely feel older than I did in my 30s. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I also, I've had a couple of years where I kind of backed off on fitness prioritization and um, instead did a lot of nervous system healing and other like therapy work myself. And mm. so I, I think as part of that, my body went through a softer season and now it's maybe coming back around and I, I might, I might have a second youth coming. We'll see. You will. I, I definitely feel like, yeah, in my 40s, I feel stronger in my 40s than I have, I think other parts of my life, but I'm certainly more tired. I can, I cannot, there is, I don't know what it's going to take to feel a hundred percent rested but I, I try to get like, you know, seven to eight hours of sleep a night. Um, I'm in bed most nights, probably at like 11. I'm up at seven. Um, that's normal. You know, occasionally there's like a full sun night where you're like out to like three in the morning and whatever. But that's like a few times a year. But I cannot, even though I'm like getting seven hours of sleep and I'm going to bed sober and I'm sleeping by myself. I still wake up every day and I'm like, I'm so fucking tired. I don't even, I feel like that's an aging thing. Whereas like, but I can ride my bike across Kenya and be like, what? There's no problem. We're fine. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That, that's really relatable to me too. The tired and the, like this awareness that like, if I had taken, you know, the time off that I took over the last years in my twenties and I wanted to get back in shape, I could probably do that in like, you know, four to six weeks and I'd be like back crushing mm-hmm. it again. And mm-hmm. at this point it's like, this is probably going to take a few months to maybe a year to gain, to gain. The the, it's a, it's the longer trajectory, but it's not, it's not, not possible. It's true. And the strength does feel true the the embodiment and the ability to like work with my body instead of having to um, like rely on like override and pushing through all the time. I feel mm-hmm. like I have a whole other skill set for that that feels like it's going to help me a lot through this next stage of life oh for sure you just kind of like you're like yeah no I'm not doing that anymore I don't need to 
we're done. I don't have to prove it anymore. That was a big thing in my 20s too. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, exactly. Um, <clears throat> so one of the things that, since we're talking about adulting and aging, um, you learned how to ski as an adult, which is almost like, I feel like learning anything technical as an adult is nearly impossible or it's definitely impossible for me because I have no patience and everything annoys me, but well, not everything, most things, many things, there's a list, but you learned how to ski as an adult. Um, how, why, what happened? How have you done it? Inspire all of us. Tell us your secrets, please. Yeah, I sure did. And it has, it's not the smoothest route. I'm so jealous <laughs> of the people that learned when they were little. Um, but my, you know, so I'm here in Alaska and I just moved to Anchorage, which is the big city here. And there is a lift that's like an hour away. Um, so I just moved into town five years ago. Before that, I was in rural Alaska in these little towns with no lift access. So I, I learned to ski not only as an adult, but through backcountry skiing, which means it was yeah. like very slow. It was uh, like beautiful, but I was getting in like two or three runs a day, which is a very like, goodness, not probably not the ideal way to learn at all. Um but I, you know, the good, the good thing about small town Alaska is that the mountains are right there. So the access was really easy and um, pretty quick to get out of town and into the mountains as often as possible. So repetition um, was really huge for me, just trying to get out as much as I could. And I'm not a great skier. I'm like a medium skier now. And maybe I'll get a lift pass for the season and take that up a, a level. But um, I've it's it, like one of the hard things for me as someone who I was like a straight A student. I used to love to be the best at everything. And skiing was the place where I had to like really confront that that was not going to be me in that environment and um, deal with all of the, uh, the imposter syndrome and the, um, I call it weakest link syndrome when you're like the the weak link in the group you can't um, necessarily hang with the rest of your friends in the same way and how uncomfortable that can be mentally and also for your nervous system so uh, that that's you know it's essentially that's the origin of ski babes is I was on that learning curve in the Valdez mountains and really like it was so hard physically and it was also so hard mentally um and then I was my day job at the time was uh fitness training I was running a gym in town and I was teaching these workouts that I realized helped a lot with the skiing like practicing mm -hmm. some of the weight transfer transitions and even just recognizing where my weight balance was when I was indoors helped me like apply it outside with a little bit better results than I would have without that type of strength training and then I was also finishing up my social work master's degree and realizing how well the all of that mental health skill helped me when I was outside, just like in a, I have a pretty um, strong inner critic. And so that would like come out big time in the mountains. And, and I had to like really lean on those mental strategies mm -hmm. to help it not be just like so angsty and awful uh, when I was falling all the time and my friends were just like having a great time and making it look easy. Yeah. Well, it is like, you know, I think skiing and snowboarding and just so many things in life, 
It's really something that you just need to be good enough at. You only need to, you just need to be good enough to have fun at it. And, you know, that is really the whole point is to just be out having fun. And unfortunately, the industry has crafted this narrative that if you aren't going big and skiing hard and, you know, dropping into these lines and getting air, like doing all the things, Mm -hmm. um, then you're not a good skier. And that that is really... Um, that image of a skier or snowboarder is what's been presented to us to aspire toward. And while that certainly works for some people um, and it really motivates some people, um, it also really um, paralyzes other people in terms of like just feeling like they're good enough or that they have the strength or the ability to be out there that they even belong. And um, I think having these conversations about, you only need to be good enough to ski and to ski and board and good enough is for you. It's like just getting to that point where it's fun. And then if you progress, that's great, but you don't, you don't have to. I love that so much. It's, it's so um, not, like you said, not taught in the culture of skiing or outdoor rec in general. Mm-hmm. The, yeah. The, we think about that in fitness as like the no pain, no gain sort of mentality. And sometimes I call that like toxic bro adventure and fitness culture and how much pressure there is to be always like on this trajectory. That's always getting better, 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 and always going as hard as possible. But Mm -hmm. I think both with your workouts and, and in the outdoors, if there's that like sweet spot of I'm taking care of my body and I'm having a good time. That's yeah. I'd love to stay with that. Yeah. Otherwise it's, I mean, it's, it is fun to get better at things, certainly. Um, And also being able to set, to like set that mark for ourselves of what better means. Cause I think it, I think it's absolutely different for everyone of what getting better or what progress looks like. Like for some people, it might be very physical. For some people, it might be very emotional. For other people, it could be social. Like there's so many different ways that we can evolve in, in the sport that it doesn't need to simply be, um, you know, the, the physical obviously combined with the, um, mental capability of hucking your body off a cliff. We don't have to do that. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And when, when it's just physical, then we're going to fail at it sometime, right? Like we're (laughs) going to get injured or our bodies are inevitably going to age and decline at some point where there's, it's this ableist idea that we can be on this upward trajectory. And like, that's, that's when we're good. And then if anything else happens, then something's wrong there. That's just not the way it works to be human. (laughs) So it's really, I think it can be so, so helpful to expand our idea of, yeah, what learning is or what improvement is in yeah. those other areas. Yeah. Another thing you've been exploring as an adult um, is healthy aggression. You want to talk about that? Because I think that's it. That's an interesting one, right? Because yeah. aggression isn't normally a term that is um, applied positively to women. Mm-hmm. And yet it's something that you are actively working on and and embracing. And I'd love to hear your take on healthy aggression, particularly in relationship to the way that women show up in the world. 
Yeah. Okay. This is like a hot topic for me right now. And I'm excited to specifically talk with you about it because I think you do a really good job with this from at least from what I see of like this podcast and your emails. And it seems like you have a good relationship with that. So let us know what your secrets are. But in general, (laughs) I think uh, just to define it, you know, healthy aggression, I think of as in the nervous system, a uh, it's a fight response that is um, uh, that is not a one that has um, that's not flooded. You know, when our nervous system gets flooded or we get into like an out of control fight response, that's when we get into like scary and unhealthy aggression and violence. And I'm definitely not condoning any of that <laughs> as a tool, but yeah. but there is it's all on a continuum, right? And there is a an expression of a fight response that is a very healthy and appropriate and accurate response to different environments that we're in. And I think about it a lot with uh, outdoor sports, with skiing and biking and these, especially gravity sports, paddling, mm-hmm. when uh, when we're needing to move into something challenging, you know, it's like people like pump themselves up. Like there's some of that's some activation of the sympathetic charge, which turns, which is activating a bit of a fight response. Mm-hmm. But I really see, you know, something I've been working on in my own body and with a lot of the people who are in my community that, um, you know, women have been conditioned out of displaying uh, aggression. You know, there's so much conditioning around being uh, subservient, being uh, agreeable, being a conflict reducing force in in our social dynamics and lots of shame put on us for uh, being an angry woman especially people of color, I think, experience that like times a million. Mm-hmm. The um, stereotype of an angry black woman is like, so there's so much negativity around those mm-hmm. stereotypes. So we often have like developed a way to work around anger and flip it into a different, like often I see people like um, shaming themselves, like putting the anger on the, like internalizing their anger. Or just collapsing underneath it when there's an anger charge, just feeling like their uh, body maybe goes into freeze instead or flight to like get out of there instead of being able to like use that charge. Yeah. Interesting. How do you do it? What's your, what's your strategy? Yeah. Well, I don't, um, I don't know if it's something that I actively work on versus it just sort of like is who I am. But when I, you know, it is something I do reflect on it because I do, I I recognize that, you know, I, I break the mold around um, emotions that women show publicly. I think one big thing of it is I literally just don't give a fuck. Like all that. It's such like, I don't care if you think I'm nice. I know I'm not nice. No one has ever thought I'm nice. I'm a lot of very good things and I'm very comfortable. Like I'm, I'm proud of all the things I'm very good at. And, and, you know, I'm a very kind person. I'm fair. I'm trustworthy. Um, I have integrity. I'm a hard worker. There's like all these things that I'm really proud of. I don't need to tick every box. So if the one box that doesn't get ticked is nice, cool, fine. Yeah, I'm good. Thank you. So I think that's like, I think that's a big part of um, being comfortable expressing yourself and expressing what people would perceive to be aggressive. Um, 
The only reason why I'm perceived to be aggressive is because is because we've been told women aren't supposed to act the way that I act. It's a construct. It doesn't. It's not actually aggressive. I don't. I don't. Um, I don't belittle people. I don't um, pick fights with people. Um, you know, verbally or or physically. Um, so I just, yeah, I just don't care what people think is the first thing. And the people who know me, the people who like, but when I say I don't care what people think is like, I don't care what strangers think. <clears throat> the people who know me, who their opinions of me do matter. We don't have a problem. Like there's not an issue. Like I have a lot of friends for a reason. So I'm, I'm good there. Um, so I think that's one, like one thing is just not, um, not caring if people don't think I'm nice. Um, I think another tool would be um, my so-called air quote aggression does not come from fear. I'm not afraid. You know, I, I'm a big, a big proponent of not making decisions and not acting um, from a place of, of being afraid and not, you know, and that just, just fear. And I certainly am afraid plenty of times around all sorts of things, whether it's like, business or, um, you know, if I'm doing something where I am pushing myself in the outdoors, I experience fear. I just, my, again, air quote aggression doesn't stem from fear. Um, so I think that that is another <clears throat> reason why I think I feel, um, comfortable with it. And then I think probably the last thing that, and maybe an, another reason why I'm, I'm not, um, I don't feel a huge need to change is because my existence on this planet in the way that I show up creates additional space for women to break the mold, right? Mm -hmm. So if, if I were to rein it in, I would be reining everybody in. Mm -hmm. But because I'm willing to push hard on a boundary that a lot of people will not push, like, there are obviously like women of color cannot push the way that I, I can push. White women could. They just choose not to. Um, but <clears throat> because I push, that creates this space where people can move into. Um, so it's this constant like, you know, and, and whether it's, again, like the aggression or any of the things that I'm known for, it is actually very strategic to push on that boundary, to scoot that boundary, and then everybody else can just kind of come along. Um, and that is, it's, that's why I think it's important yeah. to not try to be different. Um, and I get it that not everybody likes it. Um, there are people, you know, men, women, all humans, like there's people who'd be like, I'm, I'm done with her. I don't even want to listen to her. Some of you might've already stopped listening to this podcast. You might have unsubscribed. You want to follow me? I don't know all the things. That's fine. I'm, I'm not, I don't need to, I don't need to be here for everyone. I don't need to be liked by everyone. I'm very clear on um, the things that I'm able to do um, with the way that I show up in the world. Well, I think it's awesome. I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure there's pushback in people who it doesn't <clears throat> sit well with for their own reasons, but I think there is, there is really some great magic in that healthy display of aggression, the, the ability internally to be with your own aggression. And mm -hmm. I think the other thing that your example does is it sets, 
It changes the set point for what we think is normal and acceptable Mm -hmm. and okay for a female-bodied person to be in the world. And I think we all are all of our own nervous systems just by being exposed to the way you're able to hold that charge and express it, Mm -hmm. get to like reattune to that as a new normal. It's, It's a really powerful thing. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's definitely, I think getting older, you think a lot more about like, you kind of go through life of being like, I'm just trying to get through life. And then as you get a little bit older, you're like, huh, look at that. Look, look where I'm at now. Look what, you know, you just reflect and (laughs) reflect in a pretty significant way. Um, But yeah, I just, I think it's important. I think it's important, um, you know, to feel comfortable showing up as yourself. And I recognize that not all women um, even have the interest in showing up the way that I do. So it's not that I think that, um, you know, healthy aggression is something that everyone needs to embody as much as we just all should be more comfortable with it um, and tune in, tune into it. Um, It's, nice that people have different personalities and that we all do do different things and that we don't need to shame ourselves when something comes up that society has told us is a wrong thing to do because of our gender. Oh, that is such a good point, isn't it? Because it's not that we all mean to have a wobbly thing around our our own fight response. It's that we've like had to. It's been a really intelligent response from Mm -hmm. our own bodies and nervous systems since we were real little to figure out a workaround that kept us safe and helped us exist in this, in this society with all of its power structures and all of its bullshit. So there's a big piece of like unlearning and deconditioning and healing around coming to terms with that for each of us. I think like one thing I really heard in your, what you were sharing was like a really strong internal sense of safety, Mm. which is really, really cool to, to make note of and I think something that a lot of us are working on building like it's like when we can the ability to like let go of what other people think especially people Mm -hmm. who don't know you like that requires Mm -hmm. a lot of internal like I'm okay yeah Um, and there is like there is navigate like obviously I have privilege as you know a cis white woman middle class white white woman like I have levels of safety that other people don't have I will say that with the increased violence that I've seen in the United States, like particularly against the LGBTQIA community and the um, anti-Semitic community or the anti, you know, the anti-Semitic sentiment um, against the Jewish community. Like I definitely in the last few years have felt more at risk, um, particularly as someone who lives alone and doesn't and travels alone and and does so many things alone. And so the, I do recognize that like, there is absolutely this like element of, of safety. Um, and I think that I do, I do make strategic decisions about where I go and who I will be around mm-hmm. and what I will say, like, not only from like a physical safety standpoint, but also an emotional one. Like I don't need to hear it. I don't need to hear it. I don't need to see it. I don't need to be around it. So I'm not, um, I try to be really mindful about who I spend time with and what um, what situations I will find myself in, um, and you know, thinking about I don't need to be spending time with people who don't accept me for my full self. 
And that has been, you know, I don't, again, it goes back to like, I don't need everyone to like me. So I don't, I don't need to go, I don't need to be in every space all the time. I can limit that and find the ones that feel the safest, um, particularly given like this world that we live in, which I would argue is becoming increasingly more unsafe. Um, So. Yeah. yeah. Right. Cause like the, the reason the unsafety is very real too. So the, the nervous system, like making judgment calls all the time about what's safe and what's not is, is like really necessary. And Mm -hmm. sometimes it's safe to display that healthy aggression especially when we're on a podcast mic and there's nobody here out to get us, but it's like not in every situation out in the actual world, would that be the right thing to do? No, it's not. You certainly, yeah. And I, I just feel fortunate that like I have my own podcast, my own business, my own newsletter, my own yeah. Instagram. Like there's these things that I control and so I can show up in that way, but I'm certainly not naive enough to think that I can just roll out and do whatever I want to do at any, at any given time. Um, so, and I, and I, and again, like, you know, if I feel that way, I, I, it makes me think a lot about people with, um, additional identities, you know, like how difficult, like what, how difficult it is, um, to be in this world and to navigate it and to feel safe and to feel like you can mm-hmm. be yourself. Cause you certainly cannot all the time. Right. You cannot. At least winter's coming. And so there's yeah. something like, even though like who knows what shit storm we're going to be like following on the news or what's the next big thing. At least we don't have to deal with summer anymore, which is a huge plus because summer is the worst. And I don't want anyone, I don't want to hear it from anyone. <laughs> Well, I'll fight you on that one because here in Alaska, we get like three months of summer and then it's dark for the rest of the year. So when summer goes, it's really sad. Even though I can't. That makes sense. Summer summer down here, it's like, who who needs it? I don't need it. I'm excited about winter coming. And I hope people, I hope other people who are listening to this podcast are excited about winter coming. And if people want to get uh, get their bodies in gear. Cause we're all probably a little bit rusty, um, from last, you know, from last season, <clears throat> people should definitely check out ski babes and check out the virtual courses that you offer. I have participated in one. It kind of kicked my ass in a very good way. I recognize how in shape I could get if I chose to do it every day. Um, so I just, yeah, here's to a really fantastic winter. Um, Sarah, thank you so much for joining me today on Juicy Bits and for this discussion. Um, I'm, ex- I'm excited. I'm excited to read some of these show, show notes and think about this conversation and excited to continue to partner with you in the future. Yeah. Oh, me too. Really fun talking with you. Thanks for having me, Jen. And all the Juicy Bits folks. It's really nice to have been here with you. My pleasure. All right, everyone. Uh, if you have any questions at all or any comments, feel free to write in at um, juicybits at coalitionsnow.com. You can also just send us a message on Instagram or through the website and make sure that you go check out Ski Babes and get ready for winter. All right, everyone. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.